New Vision is a church that places high value on Scripture. The Bible is made up of 66 books, and in this next portion, we're going to be going through a few of those books as a church family. We hope this tool encourages you and equips you to lead your life well. Thank you for joining us today. Hey everyone, Dr. Joseph here coming to you with day 51 in our Bible reading with Exodus and uh, how exciting that this is. And so uh, I'm going to be reading for you Exodus uh, chapter 26. I'm going to be reading verses 15 through 37. I'm going to be reading out of the New International Version. So join with me in, in reading or listening uh, as I as I talk through this and, uh, and I'll share some comments with you. So says in verse 15, make upright frames of acacia wood for the tabernacle. Now, we've been seeing this pattern, just kind of a heads up of where we've been seeing that it's been working from the innermost to the outermost. And so we have, we talked about before the, the curtains that were being made. And so for this, we're going to talk about the walls, the frames, the walls of the uh, of the tabernacle, what those are to uh, what those are to look like, and we're going to kind of take a step back in because this is in the family of curtains. We're going to go back into as well the the curtain that would have separated between the inner room and then the holy of holies, and uh, we're going to talk about the significance of that. But uh, let's look here, verse fifteen. It says again, make upright frames of acacia wood for the tabernacle. Each frame is to be 10 cubits long and a cubit and a half wide <coughs> with two projections set parallel to each other. Make all the frames of the tabernacle in this way. Make 20 frames for the south side of the tabernacle and make 40 silver bases to go under them. Two bases for each frame, one under each projection. For the other side, the north side of the tabernacle, make 20 frames and 40 silver bases, two under each frame. Make six frames for the far end, that is the west end of the tabernacle, and make two frames for the corners at the far end. At these two corners, they must be double from the bottom all the way to the top and fitted into a single ring. Both shall be like that. So there will be eight frames and 16 silver bases, two under each frame. Also, make crossbars of acacia wood. Five for the frames on the one side of the tabernacle, five for those on the other side, and five for the frames on the west side, on the west, and at the far end of the tabernacle. The center crossbars to extend from the end to end at the middle of the frames. Overlay the frames with gold and make gold rings to hold the crossbars. Also overlay the crossbars with gold. Set up, verse 30, the tabernacle according to the plan shown you on the mountain. Verse 31, Make a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and finely twisted linen with cherubim worked into it by a skilled craftsman. Hang it with gold hooks on four posts of acacia wood, overlaid with gold and standing on four silver bases. Hang the curtains from this clasp and behind the ark of the testimony, behind the curtain. The curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. Put the atonement cover on the ark of the testimony in the most holy place. Place the table outside the curtain on the north side of the tabernacle and put the lampstand opposite of it on the south side. For the entrance to the tent, make a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen, the work of an embroiderer. Make gold hooks for this curtain and five posts of acacia wood overlaid with gold and cast five bronze bases for them. 
So let's kind of come back to, once again, we, we have the frames that are being set up. So in, in the construction of these walls, uh, what they would have looked like, they would have been kind of some trellis type of walls. You would have been able to see through them somewhat. And remember what we talked about in previous podcasts of where the, the first on the inner curtains that would have happened, you would have seen this white with blue and red and purple with cherubim mixed into it. So you're able to look through these walls somewhat and look into them and you're able to see that there are here are these designs that are on these curtains. And so once again, it's very beautiful on the inside of this. What they talked about doing in this was covering them with, with gold, you know, overlaying them with gold. And, and a part of you have to remember in the tabernacle was not just how it was set up, because this is not a, a permanent structure. Remember, whenever God's fire would move or the cloud would move, that the people were to pick up all these things and they were then to move along with the tabernacle. And so you're seeing a little bit of this in play of where you're seeing that there's these bars that are put into place to hold the walls together. But once again, these would have been easy to have been moved. They would have been able to have been torn down quickly and then put back up you know, pretty quickly as well. And so once again, we, we see us talking about in these first few verses of just how to lay out the walls and what those are to, to look like within this. And I think it's really interesting. We have kind of one of these commands is put here in verse 30, set up the tabernacle according to the plan shown you on the mountain. So, so God has shown this to Moses and he's saying, hey, look, this is what you are to do. And Moses is to come back and communicate this clearly to the people of Israel. And they are to set up this tabernacle according in this way. And then we have in verse 31, once again, we, we kind of worked our way out with all the curtains. We've come back in to a bit of where we're looking at the walls and how those are set up. And then we go even one step further in, but it's in this family of curtains that's a part of, of this. And we have the curtain that separates between the, once again, the holy place and the most holy place. There was this separation that occurred here in this. In this. And, and I think it's so important to understand the significance of this, of this curtain. Uh, most scholars believe that this was uh, uh, about four inches thick of a curtain. In fact, whenever the temple would later be built, uh, Josephus, who was a uh, who was a historian of this time, he would say it was about a hand's width. You know, so once again, they were looking at about about a four inches uh, of thickness uh, that this curtain was, and so very strong, very thick. And in fact. In the, in the temple that would later be built, this would stand up very, very tall uh, according to this. In fact, uh, it, it's kind of interesting in that uh, uh, Joseph, Josephus even reported that the fail, once again, was four inches with, was thick, and it was actually renewed every year. There was a new one that was put up each year, and that the what they would do is they would take horses— and they would tie it to either side to try and pull it apart, and yet it could not happen. Now, we stop and we think about, once again, how all this stuff, once again, is, is foreshadowing. It's pointing to, again, what Christ came to do. Here we have this veil. This is the veil that's talked about that separates 
uh, from from man and from God. And the only one that would enter into that most holy place was the great high priest as a representative for the people. And yet here we have, whenever Jesus Christ died in Mark chapter 15, we have this beautiful picture that's told of us of what happened, that the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. You see, if man was to try and, and tear apart that veil, you know what he would have tried had to have started at? He could have gone up to the top of where it was. If he was going to try and rip it apart, you know what he would have had to have done? He would have had to have done it from the bottom. He would have had to try to cut it, ripped apart some kind of fabric. Once again, four inches thick of fabric, very hard to have done. And yet we see that whenever Jesus Christ died on the cross, he cried out, it is finished. Where do we see it ripping? From the top to the bottom. What a beautiful picture that that was uh, of what's happening. That the access to God was made available to all who come through Jesus Christ. Now, here we have the exclusivity of Christ and the inclusivity of of all people. We have the exclusivity of Christ. It's only through his death. It's only through him crying out, it is finished, that the work of God was done, that the purposes of God were fulfilled, that the death of Christ satisfied the wrath of God. And so here we have the exclusivity of Christ in that crying out moment. It was only his cry that rent the veil, that tore the veil in that way. And yet here we have the inclusivity that, that anyone, whosoever, calls upon the name of the Lord doesn't have to go through the process, doesn't have to go through the traditions. No, the most holy has been made available to everybody through the, G, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Therefore, because of that, we have the Holy Spirit that's living inside of us. And so whenever we place our faith in Jesus Christ, whenever we accept him and receive the gift of eternal life, we have the sealing of the Holy Spirit into our life. And from the sealing of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we don't have to go through a veil to, to have access to God. No, we have Jesus Christ, who's our mediator of the new covenant. We see that in Hebrews chapter 9 and chapter 10. We have a great high priest that's gone before us. His sacrifice is sufficient alone. And we see as well that here we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Once again, I don't have to go through a tradition. I have to go through a priest in order to make my heart, make my prayers known to him. I'm able to call out to the Lord in any moment, at any time. And I know that because of what Jesus did, that he hears me. I have the Holy Spirit of God, God himself, third person of the Trinity living inside of me. His presence is here with me at all times. And so once again, we look at this curtain, we look at this construction of this curtain, and we see how once again, there is spoke to the children of Israel. There was a sacredness, there was a holiness with that most holy place, that there was this powerful place and where God resided, right? Because that was the, that's what tabernacle means, is that God's dwelling with us, right? And, and so with that, once again, we see how it foreshadows it foreshadows of how there is going to come a day that Christ is going to tear this tear apart this veil and how it was going to come in his death and resurrection. So once again, what a beautiful picture that this is pointing to Jesus Christ, 
pointing to, once again, the holiness has been made available to us, the sanctification that we are able to be called children of God, and we're co-heirs with Christ in that. And so celebrate that today. Celebrate that the veil has been torn. Celebrate that the way has been made available for you to receive salvation, and it only comes through Jesus Christ. Let's enjoy that today. God bless. Look forward to connecting to you on next day in our podcast, and I hope that you continue just to grow in the Lord through these times. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow as we hop back into God's Word.